Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Marlin's Corner. Uh, so glad to have you here. Sit back and relax. We got some stuff to talk about today, y'all. It's been an interesting time to be watching things. Uh, and my first thing I'm going to talk to you about can be found on Hulu, but let's just kind of go over the grand scheme of things. We'll be talking about Fresh, The Worst Roommate, and The Boys Presents Diabolical. We'll start with Fresh to keep things fresh, but also so it's the darkest. So let's just start there. Uh, so Fresh is the like the future debut film for Mimi Cave uh, and Lauren Kahn. And they both went on to describe how they wanted to talk about uh, the dating world or the world of dating and kind of many of its shades of darkness. And so this film definitely delivers on that. It's a dating gone horribly wrong film. The film follows a woman named Noah, played by Daisy Edgar Jones, as she navigates the world of dating, you know, we get those scenes where she's on those Tinder dates and she's like going to date with like a hipster who uh, doesn't want to pay for half the like doesn't want to pay for the meal, wants to take all the food. It's kind of like a, oh, I'm a nice guy and you're a dick, you're a bitch. So it's definitely it, it isn't breaking very much ground in the beginning. It isn't giving you anything new. I mean, we've seen films like this before. It, it really isn't giving you anything new. But things definitely take a turn uh, for the worst when she meets Steve played by Marvel sweetheart, Sebastian Stan. Uh, we see that that's when this film takes this very dark turn. And it's important to say this now. This is not just your regular psychological thriller. If you are not a fan of body horror or you get uncomfortable with the topic of cannibalism, do not watch this film. I know that I came in fully expecting just for it to be, you know, a very violent, maybe a little bit of gore kind of psycho thriller. But the slow burn of this film, as it talks about aspects of cannibalism, burn into your memory and the fact that there are people who are going to be eaten alive. So just know that because the trailer is very kitschy. It's very cute, but it definitely hides a, a much more darker tone when you drop into this film. Now, the impact in the beginning of this film, as we talked about earlier, it follows a very common rom-com formula for a dating movie. You have your white girl who can't find love and is struggling, and then she goes to her minority best friend because, you know, girl, you don't need no man. So it really doesn't give you like anything new. It just kind of follows it like, you know, script for script of what it looks like. You know, she eventually finds Mr. Right and she becomes, you know, rom-com obsessed with them. And I think that's where this film really plays this up is, yeah, like, isn't it strange that in rom-coms, uh, it's always played for laughs when this woman becomes enthralled with her new boo. But isn't it strange that her and this woman's entire world revolves around this man that she's never met before and she's willing to go on these adventures with them? By herself. Isn't that kind of creepy? And that's where we kind of get this film honing in on that specific kind of world of rom-coms where, yeah, that is kind of creepy. Yeah, it's played for last, but that's kind of not a good thing. Like in reality, that looks extremely dangerous, especially to someone you just met a few days ago. This could be a highly dangerous situation. And to her credit, Daisy Edgar Jones has some amazing scenes where she comes to terms with her choices and how her search for love was preyed on and got her in a situation to where she is, you know, she can't escape it. 
And it definitely sits with you in your kind of in your stomach of like, oh, oh, this is this is this is kind of gross. Like this is this is kind of terrible. And it's also important to know that Sebastian Stan's image as like this stand up guy is definitely played up. And it's definitely like, you know, used to describe how this could be any man. Like as long as this man looks nice, you know. He can get he can get he can get he can get away with anything. It, it definitely is similar to his buddy Chris Evans, where in Chris Evans and Knives Out, everyone's like, "Oh, look, it's Chris Evans. He's so cute." But then you watch him, he's like, "Oh, he's kind of a dick, and he's also kind of like a murderer." Um, in this film, Sebastian Stan's character, like, is you know his character Steve is incredibly manipulative and ultimately very evil. And it's just, it's so weird to watch, you know, the Sebastian Stan trademark smile and his charisma and it being channeled uh, to do so many awful things and to watch them get progressively worse and watch him continue to smile and to dance. And just like knowing the fact that he's doing these horrible things off camera and on camera, it's just so unnerving because you're like, oh my God, Sebastian, like you're such a stand up guy. We saw you and Tommy where you were talking to your penis and now you're over here, a cannibal murderer. This is, this is so new. This is so different. And I think that's where this film really shines is that it takes these preconceptions of Sebastian Stan's character, and it just allows you to be lured into that. You're like, well, he's he's still cute. He's still Sebastian Stan. I still like him. But it's like, literally, if you were in the dating world, is that all you're looking for? Is this like this cute guy? Like, he could be hiding so many other things, so many darker things. And is it worth, you know, diving into that? And it's just, it's a great take. I like it a lot. And they definitely, you know, are ramping up lots of aspects of it. Uh, Because again, this is a critique on dating. So it definitely is taking it to like the nth degree. And like, let's not, you know, act like this is anything new for women who are dating. Like they're always suspicious. Because again, if you're a woman and you're dating, literally men are dangerous creatures. So you're always aware of like, let me drop my location. Let me text someone. Let me let them know where I am at all times. So like this isn't really anything new, uh, but it definitely kind of adds, I guess, more to the, hey, this person could be a murderer uh, voice to the back of your head. So there's that now. And this film does leave you numb. And so I would suggest watching with a friend or a group of friends. Uh, it is very graphic. There are definitely multiple scenes where there is, and I will say where this film definitely kind of finds a line is there are scenes that depict cannibalism in a way that don't overtly show, I guess, the grotesqueness of what we would think cannibalism looks like. So like, not like a zombie film where someone like straight up biting and like chewing, but it definitely, uh, finds a very elegant way of showcasing what cannibalism could look like in the 2022 world. So look out for that. Uh, the director and writer did an amazing job keeping that film from being way too grotesque because it definitely could. Like, I do see in a world where this film would only ever be on some like third party horror site because it's like great no one wants to show this nc 17 film because it's so grotesque and so gross but they definitely found the artistic line between yes we want to showcase cannibalism but no we don't want it to make it like really uncomfortable and like grotesque so they, they definitely found that line and also we're still allowed to maintain that dark story that they wanted to like put out there you know it's a long story and it ultimately ends on like the dangers of dating as a woman and we talked about how this really isn't anything new but they definitely are really going you know they're, they're stretching a lot of things to make like hey dating's dangerous but ultimately i think that 
isn't really what I focus on. I think what you, the viewer, will focus on is the relationship and scenes between Daisy Edgar Jones and Sebastian Stan. Those scenes in particular, I think, elevate this film. Had this film not had such a compelling lead and leading lady, I do not think it would have done as well. But I do think that with Sebastian Stan and Daisy Edgar Jones, those scenes with them alone are... I truly think responsible for this film being certified fresh on, on Rotten Tomatoes. Like this film is becoming, you know, it's starting to spark out there. It's really good. And it has these two amazing leads that are able to portray this really dark and serious narrative in a way that pulls you in. So I would give it a nine on his hand. Definitely, you know, give it a watch. I don't recommend you eat before you watch it and you might not eat after. So maybe eat like a couple hours earlier because you are going to feel some really weird stomach things as you watch this film that again has cannibalism. So give it a watch fresh on Hulu. Now in a similar vein of not trusting people and being cautious. Uh, Netflix has whodunit murder mystery crime show called Worst Roommate. I'm sorry, Worst Roommate Ever. And what's interesting about this is that Bloomhouse has produced it. Now, if you are a big fan of horror, you know that Bloomhouse is definitely behind a lot of horror films. And so for the one part, it's very interesting to see them be behind a documentary. But then they're like, well, it's about murder. So that makes sense. So here we are with the worst roommate ever as Bloomhouse throws their hat into the ring, into Netflix, their litany of murder crime mystery documentaries. And it's honestly done really well. Uh, and I'll only talk about two stories today. It's a five uh, episode uh, series on Netflix. You can explore the rest. I'll only talk about two. There will be spoilers ahead, just so you know. Um, now, what makes these five episodes, I think, for me, stand out is the fact that they use illustration to do a lot of these flashbacks. If you're a fan of, you know, murder mysteries and crime shows, you know that oftentimes they hire lookalikes to do these really, I would say, Razzie-worthy performances of uh, reenactments of the murders that happened. They're not always great, but kind of overdramatic and a kind of like sometimes takes away from the main story, but other times it's kind of like, well, that looks really interesting. But this time they decide to kind of like get rid of that typical route and go straight into like a 2D illustration where they take the um, artist's interpretation of the person's face and just create uh, a scenario that the narrator or the people who are being interviewed are saying. So while they're talking, you get kind of this cartoon that plays around them. And it honestly, it looks really good. It pulls you in, it looks cool. And it's like a little bit of flavor that I think makes it stand out amongst the, again, litany of Netflix true crime shows that are on there. Uh, and it's really awesome to see someone go for this new route. And of course, Blue House has the funds to go for a uh, straight 2D animation style, a straight 2D animation style reenactment. Um, now, the impact I want to talk about today is this series left me with uh, the thought that white people are unbelievable. Not all white people, but I'm just going to use white people are unbelievable. And here's why. Let me explain to you. There are two episodes in particular that I think stand out as peak white peopledom. The first one, first episode of this series is called Call Me Grandma. Now, in it, we discover that there's this like geriatric serial killer in Sacramento. 
Again, I'll say that again. There is a geriatric serial killer in Sacramento in like the 80s or whatever. This woman has a history of drugging people and stealing from them, uh, but she never spends too much time in one location. She moves around a lot. Uh, but that's not where things get weird. Where things get weird is um, when she opens up her home to the homeless to house them. And she begins using their social security checks to like, you know, make herself look nice. She's giving money to to politicians and hosting banquets. Uh, and then there's one homeless man that actually has a social worker that truly cares about their safety and keeps tabs on him. And when he disappears and she doesn't you know, know what's going on, she does her own investigation before calling the police. Now, when the social worker calls the police, she lets them know that, hey, this old lady is sus. And most importantly, you need to check her backyard. Fast forward, the police come and they find that there are sleeping pills all over this woman's house. She has sleeping pills in every cabinet, every drawer, every room. Her carpets are like really sticky in certain places. And they see in her backyard that these little like dirt mounds. And again, you and me as viewers and listeners are like, that woman has done something. She is suspect number one, but it continues to add more. They find a human femur in her backyard. Now, with all the evidence that I've listed today, this woman should be your key suspect and maybe should be arrested on the spot. Maybe, but of course not, you know, She's, a, she's, a, she's an older white lady. So they just kind of let her mill about the property while they're digging. Because, you know, they're like, you know what? Let's keep digging in this backyard. See what else we find. As they're digging, this old lady asks one of the officers, hey, do you mind if you help me go across the street to get some coffee? Y'all are going to, you know, I don't know how long you're going to be here. But like, I want to, you know, I'm, I'm, I think I want some coffee. Now, again, it's important that this woman is getting her backyard excavated because they've already found you know, pieces of one body. And you would think that the officer would be like, no, you need to stay here. But again, old white lady. So they, this officer takes this lady's hand and like walks her across the street to get coffee. And he leaves her there and he goes back to the crimes. He takes this woman who is the, who should be the main suspect to a second location and just leaves her there. And when he gets back to the property, they found, guess what? Another body. And the chief on site is like, hey, where's that old lady at? Where did she go? And the officer's like, oh, I just took her to get some coffee. Now, the officer being interviewed, I truly wish that the sergeant or the chief or whoever we was talking to was still alive. Because I, I know for a fact that that man must have been like, are you absolutely out of your goddamn mind? You took this lady off the property and, and got her coffee? And then, of course, viewer, this woman is gone. She goes across the street, gets that coffee, and homegirl is just out. They cannot find her. And what's worse is that after they find the second body, they find five more bodies in her backyard. Seven in total. And they let this woman go get coffee. Can you just imagine it? The privilege of it astounds me. It astounds me that they find one body and like, well, we don't know for sure if she did this. She can get coffee. We don't want to assume anything. It's okay. You know, she's, you know, proven innocent. You know, she's innocent until proven guilty. But like, we, you know, we don't have any hard evidence despite finding one body. It just, I couldn't believe it. Like, imagine if you flip that. Imagine if it was just like some older 
brown lady. Like, do you think they'd let her like, well, she's so old, you know, we don't really suspect her. So let her, come on now. Come on now, y'all. Thankfully, they eventually catch this lady, but it's like, y'all, this woman, like this woman almost got away with murder. And of course, they find out that not only did she kill seven people, she killed an eighth person. And she thankfully went to prison for, for the rest of her life. But it was just like, my God, this whole case is just wild. But there's more. There's yet another unbelievable white person who does something crazy. There's another episode called Marathon Man, where there's this Lebanese man who's a hustler and he pretends to be Palestinian in order to get money from the Palestinian communities in Denmark and Chile so he can run in these uh, extreme marathon races. And so he's telling these like Palestinian people like, yo, like I want to put Palestine on my back as I run across this marathon and I want to like be in first place and like wave the Palestinian flag. And everyone's like, yeah, like we, we want you to bring attention to our people to like really like, you know, help our, to like, to like bolster our movement that people need to know that we're here we're a community which again makes sense like they really want to like have someone who's going to you know bring their community up and he preys on that and that's absolutely terrible especially when you find out that he's doing these races and then he quits on the second day by saying oh i got injured and these americans don't like palestinians and and they keep disqualifying me and it's like dude you just you're just taking this money and running with it but that's but that's not the terrible part. That's not. It is bad, but it gets worse. There is this uh, white woman who happens to be his roommate at this hostel, and she moves to Chile. She, she she doesn't know the language, but she's young and depends on that hostel and like the people who speak English there. And now she goes on record saying that she does not feel comfortable around this man. She thinks he's shady. She, she thinks she's full of B, she thinks that he's full of BS, but. None of that comes to a head when he tells her, oh, by the way, I own apartments in Chile. And if you're looking for, you know, an actual apartment, you know, I can rent out my space. And the woman's like, well, I don't speak the language, so it'd be hard for me to find an apartment. So I guess I'll have to trust this guy. She gives him his money because... Of course she does. Uh, her and a few people that, that she knows also gives him money. And of course, time goes by and he doesn't take him to the property. He's like, oh, maybe next week, maybe the week after that. And finally it comes to him where they're like, yo, we need to either A, get our money back or B, see this property. So this man tells a room full of grown folks, okay, I'm only going to show the apartment to the girl. And then once she sees it, she and I can come back and tell you all that it's there. Again, he tells a room full of adults, I'm going to take this young lady by myself to this location. And then she can verify it exists. No one says anything about it. No one's like, that's inappropriate. Or like, hey, why don't we all go? Nope. They're like, you know what? That's a good idea. Take this woman to a undisclosed location because again no one knows where his apartments are only he does apparently and they allow this young girl to go with him to find these apartments so of course she walks with him he takes her through the streets of chile for hours it gets dark he takes her to a closed realtor office and he's like, great. And when like when it's morning, we can come back and you can like file the paperwork. But until then, you know, why don't we get a drink before we head back? So she's like, great. Yeah, let's go get a drink. I know it's dark, but let's get a drink. He takes her to get a drink. They get some vodka and orange juice because I don't know if that's a thing, but people like that. So they do that. And while he's there, 
he he asks her a question that had me literally scream out white people. Just I can't. He tells her and I quote, do you want to go check out a burnt down house with me? Again, he asks her, do you want to go and check out a burned down house with me? Now, viewer, I know this is not all white people. I know it's not all white people. But it's important to know if, if your reaction to this was like, oh, hell no, that should have been her reaction to it. But she says, yes, y'all. She's like, yo, I'm down. I like abandoned buildings. It's like an adventure. And again, she is alone with this man. She's alone with him. And he takes her to a secluded third location by herself. And she sees nothing wrong with it. And you probably guessed it. He tries to murder her in this location, in this abandoned, burned down building. He chokes her until she passes out. He puts her body in a tarp and he half buries her. Thankfully, he's not a good murderer. She just passes out. She wakes up and goes back to the hostel and is like telling everyone, yo, this guy tried to murder me. He, of course, runs. And what makes it worse is that when they finally do get this man into court, apparently Chile has some of the lightest sentencing I've ever seen for attempted murder. This man only gets 600 days in prison. That's his entire sentence. He's found guilty of attempted murder and he only gets 600 days. Now, I understand that the view from other countries is that America has this unjust justice system. And for a lot of it, it's definitely true. There are definitely a lot of negatives and its treatment towards minorities. But this man with his bare hands tried to kill someone and he only got 600 days. And then he gets to be released again. That to me seems incredibly low and incredibly ridiculous. And I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I mean, it, it honestly just kind of re re like reminds me of the uh, tender swindler and how he scammed people out of millions of dollars. He goes back to his home country of Israel and gets a couple months and he's back on the streets again. So apparently, folks, avoid men in foreign countries because they won't get actual time in prison. Just don't do it. Don't do it at all. If you are, do it in America because then, then you can build a book at them. Also, and I didn't think I had to say it, don't go into abandoned buildings with a strange person. Just don't do it. It's a recipe for murder. Just don't do it. This film, like this, this entire series is honestly, I think, a party watch worthy. Like I think the more people you have watching this with you is the better. You will be screaming at the TV. And there are more episodes to check out, but I literally had to stand up at times like, I cannot believe they made that choice. That was a dumb choice they made and they did it. Why? I don't know. I don't know. I truly hope that Bloomhouse continues to make these like shows, continues to make another series because it's really amazing. Like I'd give this series like nine out of 10. It's a must see. And Bloomhouse, like not only are you good at making horror films, but apparently you are really good at making true crime documentaries because my God, this was like really entertaining. So big ups to y'all. And lastly, we have... The Boys Presents Diabolical. Now, this was a treat. It was an eight-episode animated series of the wild and violent show, of course, The Boys. Now, this series takes a lot of risks, and personally, I think all of them are worth it. 
the very first episode has zero lines of dialogue. And I honestly, like, it reminded me of, like, OG Looney Tunes episodes where it's so engrossing, you aren't even bothered that that no one has said anything. Like, the emotes of Ben Swartz in that first episode, I think were an amazing way to start things off. Uh, And it just honestly went up from there. Now, the show also has a ton of celebrity guests and not just like the original cast from the actual show. You have Rick and Morty writer, actor Justin Roiland. You got Keenan Thompson. You got Kevin Smith, even Rita from Parks and Rec. And you have many, many more celebrities who have made an appearance on this show as a character or helping write an episode. So it is a joy to be a part of even like, I mean, it's, it's just awesome. Uh, now, each episode takes a different, you know, take from the world of the boys. So we know that the boys encapsulates this universe where superheroes are a commodity and Vought is behind that. And this show explores just other aspects of what that could look like with people who are not the boys, people who might be the boys adjacent. So you get a chance to kind of really flesh out this bigger world. I mean, we get the perspective from kids who were uh, bought uh, kids at birth, who were given, um, you know, the the juice and they have super lame powers and they plot to like take revenge on people that like wrong them. We got an episode where Aquafina has poop related powers because of uh, the juice. And we even have an episode that, is canonically tied into season three. The last episode of this animated series, the writers have gone on record saying that episode is a canonical episode. It's, it's a canonical tie-in to what's going to be explored more in season three. And the animated series, again, it has a purpose. And that purpose is to get us all talking about the boys again and to remind us that, yo, season three is coming and it's going to be wild. Um, and, you know, we remember and recall that we were we kind of left the show uh, on, uh, again, it's already a dark show, but we left it on an even darker tone now that, you know, Homelander has, you know, no one in his corner anymore and he wants to be truly independent. We get a chance to explore in season three just what that independence looks like. How far has he snapped? What is he willing to do in order to get revenge on the boys that wronged him and on Vought for trying to curtail him? We get a chance to see what that looks like and just how far he's going to take this. Now, This animated series, it hits a sweet spot for me. Each episode is less than 20 minutes, meaning you can knock all eight episodes out in like less than a day, less than a day. And each episode fits the right amount of time of like giving you a story, but also like giving you wanting more. The art style from each episode is also changing. There's an episode where the art style is literally Rick and Morty art style. Like it's like, oh, this, and it makes sense that in that episode, of course, uh, the writer-director is in that episode voicing a character. So it's really great. It looks really awesome. Uh, voice acting's on point. Uh, the content's hilarious. Uh, and honestly, I think this is an eight for me. It's an eight. Like, there are some episodes that I feel like were better than others, but it is definitely a ride worth taking. So strap in and give The Boys Presents Diabolical a watch. 
And with that being said, folks, that is going to be a wrap on today's episode of Marlin's Corner. We appreciate you for tuning in and listening in. You can find us on social media, uh, Marlin's Corner on Instagram and Facebook. Slide into my DMs. Let me know what I, else I should watch. Big shout out to Alina for telling me about Fresh, which was featured in today's episode. Alina, you're awesome. We appreciate you. And with that being said, folks, have an amazing day. We'll catch you next time back in the corner on Marlin's Corner. Peace. Marlin's Corner was produced in Richmond, California.